Hello, I'm Chris Searles. I'm the founder and director of Biointegrity. And I'm going to read this new paper to you, The Value of Biosphere Earth Equals All Economic Value Plus All Life Value. Because maybe maybe you are an auditory learner like I am. Um, maybe you just would like to hear me read for a little bit. And I will put information, background about the paper into the show notes and the, the uh, comments uh, section with the YouTube posting of this in case you have other questions. But the idea is that we want feedback. We have about two weeks to gather feedback. We're going to release the final draft of this paper on September 20. And so it's in pretty good shape now, but it could certainly be better with input from people we know and people we don't know. And I appreciate you listening. So here's the paper, The Value of Biosphere Earth Equals All Economic Value Plus All Life Value. The abstract, the intro and summary of the paper. Earth is the only planet occupied by organisms. It is these living organisms and their lineages that make human life and economics possible. Take away Earth's biodiversity, ecosystems, and wilderness continuum, and Earth becomes like all other known planets, devoid of a life support system. Biosphere Earth, the only planetary life support system, the physical creator and sustainer of all life experiences, including all human life experiences in each of their individualized forms, has yet to be recognized as the creator and sustainer of the developed world. Science, investment, philosophy, economics, religion, innovation, business, materialism, technology, policy, and more. Due to this lack of recognition, Earth's biosphere is currently viewed as inconsequential to the financially wealthy. This paper aims to put Biosphere Earth's scientific value into relatable and financial terms so that today's wealth holders may update their understanding of reality and thereby endeavor to rescue and restore Earth's biospheric security as its primary priority and project for technological, economic, and cultural advancement this decade. And then this paper is divided up into five chapters with an epilogue and some citations. I'll say at the beginning that each of the claims that's made in this paper is heavily cited. There are about 13 pages of citations, only about eight pages of text. So as you hear things in the paper, and if you're curious about them, just go look for the link to the paper, and then you can find the sentence and the citation. And the chapters in the paper are, number one, there's only one life support system. Number two, how our life support system is constructed. Three, the value of biosphere Earth. Four, the most valuable thing in the known universe. Five, biospheric rescue as our number one priority. And then again, the epilogue and citations. And there's actually an addendum as well with some additional images at the very end of the paper. The graphic that you'll see if you get the, watch the YouTube version of this posting shows biosphere Earth billions of years ago and today. And the caption for this graphic is microlife Earth also called the pale orange dot by NASA, who created this image um, circa three billion years ago. So several billion years ago, Earth was just a planet with microbes on it. it didn't, we didn't have plants and animals yet. And then the uh, Earth to the right of that says today, complex life Earth, also known as the pale blue dot or the blue marble, circa the year 2000, that's the world that we live in now with plants, animals, microbes, and other amazing creatures 
all living together all at the same time. Here is section one. There's only one life support system. And this section begins with another graphic entitled Top 5 Candidates for Earth's Replacement. It shows the five planets close, closest to Earth that could host life. And the number one planet has an Earth similarity index of 0.87 on a scale of 0 to 1. This is Proxima Centauri b, which became famous around 2016 as the enthusiasts for relocation uh, saw this planet and thought, this will be great. And then by 2017, NASA had realized that this planet gets blasts of radiations from its sun that are about 14,000 times stronger than anything we've ever seen on Earth. So humans can't live on that planet. That's the closest one. And it is, by modern space travel technology, over 73,000 years away. That is a rough estimate. It could be easily twice that long. So if we could get there and... We we all left today, it would take a little more than 73,000 years to get to this planet that can't host life, can't host human life anyway. The next nearest planet is over 200,000 years away. The fifth closest planet is nearly 4 million years away. And none of these planets is really viable when you look into the details. So the caption for this graphic is closest to Earth-like planets. And you can follow those citations to read about how... Um, each one of these planets is really just sort of noted for being in the potentially habitable zone. It has no known Earth characteristics, generally speaking, Earth-like characteristics. So now the first paragraph of this section called Life Support System. Of the more than 4,400 planets surveyed by NASA to date, none show signs of being capable of hosting plants or animals. In fact, as of this writing, no other planet has been found to host even one microbe. The closest planet that might host microbial life is more than 73,000 years away by modern space travel technology, but already known to be deadly to humans. The next nearest potentially habitable planet is more than 200,000 years away. Of the top five, quote, potentially habitable planets known to science, none have yet been confirmed to have rocks, water, or an atmosphere. Without Biosphere Earth, the only planetary life support system for humans ceases to exist. Paragraph number two is called Plus Four Billion Years in the Making. Earth's viability as the container for modern human existence and economics took an unfathomable length of time to establish. According to the current scientific record, Earth's life support system began forming more than 4 billion years ago with the advent of microbial life. It took perhaps 3 billion years for simple microbial life to achieve pervasive coverage of planet Earth. Earth's microbial community gave birth to larger, complex life, plants and animals, nearly 4 billion years after the first microbes, roughly 600 million years before present day. Since about 600 million years ago, Earth's planetary biosphere, capable of supporting both micro and macro life simultaneously, has taken form several times. Next paragraph, Biosphere Earth. The Oxford English Dictionary defines biosphere as, quote, the regions of a planet occupied by organisms. This definition is misleading. Earth's biosphere is a self-organizing, self-maintaining, planetary-scale life support system comprised of Earth's biodiversity, which after a period of more than 4 billion years 
developed to the point of creating human existence and consciousness. Next paragraph, today's civilization. In each iteration, Earth's biosphere reformed with a greater diversity of organisms and attributes. Today's human life support system began forming roughly 65 million years before evidence of the first modern humans. Current science tells us the first anatomically modern humans, Homo sapiens, emerged in Africa roughly 300,000 years ago and dispersed across the planet about 180,000 years ago. Just 12,000 years ago, the last ice age ceased. Humans in Europe came out of their caves, and human beings similar to people today began cultivating crops and domesticating animals on a temperate climate earth. Today's civilization, quote, the economic society, began perhaps 6,000 years ago with the material wealth-based monarchies and oligarchies of Sumer and Egypt. Then we have the graphic for how to long to form humanity's life support system. This shows that microbes have been here over 4.4 billion years. Then came Protista roughly 2 billion years ago. That's algae, some forms of seaweed, and some other large, simple organisms. Then fungi about a billion years ago. That is mushrooms, of course, and the uh, mycorrhizal networks beneath our feet inside the soils. Then came plants and animals just 600 million years ago. Then came our biosphere roughly 65 million years ago after the dinosaur extinction event and Earth sort of rebooted with a new biosphere. And then finally, modern human beings about 300,000 years ago. I also have a graphic that is a little bit out of left field. So I'm going to add a sentence to the final draft that tees up this graphic. And this one says, 11 reasons Mars will never be a life support system, meaning within any human scale lifetime. Section two, how our life support system is constructed. This first paragraph is called a self-generating, self-integrating adaptive stack consisting of multiple interacting layers of micro and macro life. The occurrence and architecture of biosphere Earth is, scientifically speaking, miraculous. Literally the greatest show on Earth, our biosphere is more complex, varied, and integrated than any human brain could possibly imagine. Not a single organism's origination, animation, ability to self-compose its body, or total contribution to Earth's life support system has yet to be mapped or explained by developed world knowledge traditions such as science, religion, or philosophy. The next paragraph, micro to macro. Like our bodies, Biosphere Earth is composed of and maintained by living and non-living structural elements. The non-living elements are few, primarily sunlight, rocks, minerals, water, other chemicals, and climate conditions. The living elements, also known as all the species of the world, build and care for themselves. Microbial life lives everywhere there is moisture, including on and in all organisms. Earth's micro to macro life collectively and individually generate the products and services humans require to exist, such as oxygen, food, and our physical bodies. Science doesn't fully understand how the system works, but it has established that the rich foundation for human existence is biosphere Earth's simple and complex life. And I have here a graphic of this system. The caption is a model 
for the basis of our only life support system. And at the bottom of the graphic, you'll see structural non-living elements that are, it says uh, rocks, minerals, chemicals, and climate. And then above that, several layers in the stack. And these are structural living elements. The biggest one is microbes with the caption on and in all moisture, air, soils, and organisms. Above that come the protista, the soil communities formed by microbes, the fungi, the plants, and the animals. These are our service providers. These collectively generate our life support system services, such as the products that they generate, food, atmosphere, fresh water, and so forth. And on top of all of this stuff comes people in the stack. There's also superimposed behind the stack uh, an infinity symbol that shows how all of these elements are interacting with each other all of the time from the, the non-living rocks and minerals through the microbes, through the protista and animals to create the products that people depend on. Next paragraph, vital organ ecosystems. All ecosystems are important. Ecosystems and biodiversity are to Earth's biospheric body what organs and microbes are to the human body. Ecosystems cover the earth and like the human body function best when intact, robust, and undisturbed. Ecosystems are powered by the life living inside of them. Vital organ ecosystems do the most to maintain temperate climate and biospheric homeostasis, vitality, and life support services continuation. The vital organ ecosystems are the ecosystems that are the most productive and biodiverse. The maps below show where Earth's vital organ ecosystems are located. And there are four maps here. I'll just say quickly, the first two are land, and they show that the highest concentration of productivity, which is the same thing as carbon absorption on land, is in the tropics, primarily the tropical forests, and then beyond that in the subtropical forests and grasslands, and then the temperate forests and boreal forests, the forests of the north and south. Biodiversity concentrations are heavily concentrated in the tropics, primarily again tropical forests, but the entire tropical land-based ecosystems are really where biodiversity is most concentrated. So the caption here says, note the overlap of productivity and biodiversity on land and the overwhelming concentration of value in the tropics. Then for the oceans, they're not overlapping. We have the biodiversity being concentrated in the Coral Triangle, which is basically between South China and Northern Australia. This is Indonesia, Papua New Guinea, and other areas of Oceania, smaller islands, as well as along the coastal zones in the tropics. This is primarily where biodiversity is concentrated in the oceans. Productivity or carbon absorption is concentrated in the northern and southern oceans, the high latitude oceans, as well as in the equatorial oceans and in the coastal zones around the planet. So coastal zones are the only real area of overlap. There is quite a bit of carbon production, uh, carbon absorption in the coral triangle, but it is greatest in these plankton zones in the uh, high latitude oceans, the northern and southern oceans. Final paragraph in this section is titled Significance of Indigenous Peoples. Material wealth-based monarchies and oligarchies, as well as today's industrialization and technology, have historically been the great destroyers of the biosphere without replenishment. Today, Earth's vital organ ecosystems are nearly entirely protected by indigenous peoples and local communities, poor citizens in undeveloped countries. 
Indigenous lands currently contain up to 80% of Earth's biodiversity and the majority of Earth's carbon-rich wildernesses. The developed world and its life support system is protected by the non-materialist indigenous world. In this way, the sovereignty of indigenous tribes, their human rights and ability to obtain permanent occupation of their traditional lands and waters, and the adoption of indigenous ecosystem ethics and know-how for, quote, living in the balance, these are the developed world's first priorities for its own continuation today. Section 3, The Value of Biosphere Earth. First, chapter, first paragraph here is called Ecosystem Services. Throughout Earth's epochs, ecosystems and their biodiversity have generated the platform for all known physical, emotional, mental, psychological, spiritual, conscious, and subconscious experiences for organisms. The continuous interactions and flows of organisms within and among Earth's globally integrated ocean, atmosphere, freshwater, landscape, and subterranean ecosystems create the ecosystem services we live because of organic processes, materials, contexts, and structures. Technology cannot replace the self-generated products, services, integrations, or multifunctionalities ecosystems, the biosphere, and biosphere Earth provide. Below is a partial list of some of the macro services provided by Earth's biodiversity and ecosystems. A single ecosystem community may provide all or some of the services listed here. And I'm going to read these services. This is an incomplete list, but I'm going to read them as fast as I can to sort of emphasize the point of all the services generated by Earth's biodiversity that are irreplaceable. So here's Biosphere Earth's ecosystem services and incomplete list. Oxygen production, freshwater filtration, microclimate establishment, generation of fertility, body formation, decomposition, nutrient cycling, detoxification, richness and abundance, biological diversification, primary value creation, beautification, air purification, water purification, moisture retention, moisture recycling, self-irrigation, moisture circulation, immunity, pollination, food production, flavors, food quality, food diversity, UV protection, atmospheric composition, humidity, air pressure, atmospheric circulation, air quality, water quality, microclimate maintenance, resilience, medicines, inspiration, recreation, constant regeneration, stability, productivity, life platform, structures, migrations, processes, sentience, brain formation, pest control, pathogen control, seed dispersal, cloud creation, precipitation stimulation, climate tempering, micronutrient exchanges, microfluid movements, photosynthesis, carbon absorption, nutrient creation, stormwater buffering, communication, microbiome generation, community generation, ecosystem generation, self-maintenance, rapid regrowth, creation of relationships, genetic diversity, biome diversity, human diversity, soil generation, commodities, generation of microbes, generation of micro-insects, generation of plants, generation of animals, carbon storage, instinct, nurturing, fertility, reproduction, cellular intelligence, adaptive intelligence, global integration. This is not a complete list. just some of the services. The next paragraph is titled, All Life Value Plus All Economic Value. Our economic ability to live, trade, create, and acquire wealth is based on roughly 4.4 billion, 600 million, 65 million, and 300,000 year old biological structures. As the only planet life is known to live on today, 
Biosphere Earth contains all life value created and destroyed and has ever-increasing economic value to humans. The longer Biosphere Earth thrives, the greater its value, the longer our continuation. In order to establish an economic valuation that appropriately transcends differing worldviews, statuses, occupations, and education, the global human economy needs a simple, unifying concept. Direct value is the clear benefit a person or community derives from a product or service or process. Keeping with the policy-based tradition of assessing, quote, the environment according to its value to humans and our financial interests, the direct value of Biosphere Earth across all time and spatial scales is its platform for biological existence and economic development. This value can be expressed as the sum of all known and unknown economic activity plus the value of all known and unknown current life plus the value of all deceased and future life. All planetary biospheres can be assessed for their value in this way. And I have a graphic that shows just simply the formula. All economic value plus all life value today plus all life value forever equals the value of Biosphere Earth. Section 4. What is the value of the most valuable thing in the universe? And in this section, we start off with a quote from the book The Overstory by Richard Powers. There are three or four quotes here. First quote. There are 100,000 species of love separately invented, each more ingenious than the last, and every one of them keeps making things. So this first paragraph is called The Essential Advancement. Biosphere Earth is the only thing that gives humans life. Indeed, the creator God of all physical life on Earth. Our essential advancement, then, is to align the developed world's way of living with Earth's life support system reality. What do our leaders say? Technology. Technology will save us. But technology is not the creator and sustainer of biological beings. And technology can't build a planetary life support system. Only Biosphere Earth can do that. Next quote from the overstory. She has seen the dieback. Whole groves are vanishing. Now she sees a forest spreading across these mountains since before humans left Africa, giving way to second homes. And she can hear which side will lose by winning. The next paragraph is entitled Optimizing Biospheric Integrity. There is literally no time left. Bologna Aquino 2020, a study by two physicists, says civilization has a less than 10% chance of surviving past 2040 just due to deforestation. Additional megapressures on civilization's continuation, not including the pandemic, such as insect loss, species extinction, ecosystem destruction, desertification, resource depletion, invasive species, plastics pollution, toxics pollution, and climate change, to name a few challenges, are well known to be at, at or near their global tipping points. It is time to win a whole new kind of war on our own biospheric destruction. If you care about other forms of life, you block out the fact that virtually everything we do and buy in the developed world today, every electric car, every muffin, every piece of furniture, every computer key and keystroke, every thing is deadly to other life. 
what would it cost to radically prioritize rescue, protection, and restoration births biodiversity, vital organ ecosystems, and wilderness continuum? Too much? What would it cost to make indigenous sovereignty, eco-literacy, and environmental care pillars of the material wealth economy? To radically update food production, manufacturing, waste management, water efficiency, and more in addition to cleaning up our energy mix? What would it cost to advance the only human economy out of its current state of rapid self-destruction? To not only save the only life support system, but to invest in optimizing its integrity by making the developed world way of life biospherically constructive. Next paragraph is called The Economics of Salvation. Averting collapse is cheaper than allowing collapse. In too many ways to list. Investing 5% of, quote, excess wealth, monetary wealth doing nothing but increasing the value of monetary wealth, into saving economic markets, industries, investments, and human lives by saving the life support system creates new economic growth opportunities, demands new planetary scale industries, and calls for new forms of technological innovation, biospheric innovation. It is already known there are direct financial returns from saving our life support system. The UN's Biodiversity Rescue Plan, which calls for protecting 30% of Earth's lands and waters by 2030, shows, quote, at least a 5 to 1 return, plus hundreds of billions of tons of greenhouse gases removed from the atmosphere. The alternative to this plan is to not urgently invest in the life support system and allow the literal biosphere to collapse over the next two decades. Other research shows that converting our most biospherically destructive industry, agriculture, to a net regenerative system and allowing natural forests to regrow would absorb at least one quarter of annual greenhouse emissions and generate again at least a 5 to 1 return. Yet more research shows that protecting all remaining land-based vital organ ecosystems and restoring 30% of the most damaged vital organ ecosystems would protect more than 70% of today's most threatened biodiversity, absorb about half of all greenhouse gas emissions, and be exceptionally low cost relative to all of the other forms of greenhouse gas reduction. Maximizing these investments reverses collapse and creates new wealth. Real-world programs like Right Tree, Right Place, Right Community, combined with first prioritization of indigenous rights and continuation ethics, can bring all of this together in the ways that are the most effective. Next paragraph is called The Economics of Collapse. For reference, a 2013 study showed that if the world's leading industries had to cover the costs of their damages to our only life support system, they would be in the red by more than $7 trillion per year. The Intergovernmental Platform for Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services, the UN body basically on biodiversity, their 2019 report showed that just the destruction of Biosphere Earth's trees, grasslands, and wetlands is costing us about $8 trillion per year as well. Meanwhile, anywhere from $8.7 to $36 trillion is stashed away in personal and corporate tax havens. It's also well known that numerous of the wealthiest companies and individuals pay far less than a fair percentage of earnings taxes. Again, these things are all cited, so if, if you're curious about these claims, just check out the paper, the literal paper. 
These job creators are life support destroyers, money hoarders, and darn good business people. Can we really be proud of people and companies who've made their money destroying the only life support system? Can we really aspire to have more of something that is going to destroy our existence? Next quote from Richard Powers. The secret of life is that plants eat light and air. And the next paragraph is called Earthbound Reality. Elon once said, quote, Not being a spacefaring civilization would be sad. Not investing in saving the life support system so that civilization might one day achieve Elon's goal is sadder. The wealthiest among us can afford to coordinate a small portion of their excess wealth and take on the most exciting questions of our times. How biospherically rich and secure can we make our future? Can we build a mutualistic relationship between our economic way of life and Earth's biospheric reality in the next 5 to 10 years? Can we reverse the harm of the last 200 years? Can the wealthiest among us learn to prioritize leaving ecosystems alone and support Biosphere Earth's existence so that it may continue to support ours? If not, how are they going to live on a planet with at least 8 billion economic humans? Section 5, the final section of the paper, is called Biospheric Rescue as Our Number One Priority. The first paragraph is called Number One Climate Solution. Regrowing Earth's almost demolished wilderness continuum is our most realistic way of solving climate change. All life is made of carbon and water. Life is the only currently available resource capable of absorbing greenhouse gases, reducing extreme weather, feeding humans, housing our life support system, and restoring global cooling and irrigation. And for this, I have the graphic of uh, the sponge that is healthy soils, healthy vegetation on, on land, and the open water and the vegetation in open water. And so what this is showing is vegetation's direct influence on the climate. And that as moisture evaporates and transpires off of open water, it's captured by vegetation and soils, microbia, and they circulate that moisture amongst themselves. This action, depending on the scale of the action, can have extreme cooling effects, also known as microclimate, that can then affect the macroclimate. So the, the caption here says, healthy ecosystems create sponge, absorb carbon, circulate moisture, and cool the earth. And more on that in a future paper. First paragraph, or next paragraph here is called moisture, cooling, weather, carbon. Vegetation and biodiversity are extremely influential over the global climate. Not only do healthy ecosystems have the potential to remove gargantuan amounts of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, and for that see the previous section, Economics of Salvation, and those citations. Not only do healthy ecosystems have the potential to remove gargantuan amounts of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, they contain and circulate moisture at all scales and locations in the biosphere, from miles below the ground to miles above. The macroclimate benefit of restoring rich, biodiverse ecosystems has not been fully quantified, but science has noted its cooling, hydrating, and extreme weather prevention effects. Moisture-rich ecosystems, especially vital organ ecosystem forests, co-determine air circulation and moisture circulation, 
from local to global levels. Lush, green, life-rich ecosystems generate essential climate stabilization functions technology cannot, such as heat absorption, moisture storage, moisture circulation, hydrological security, flood management, extreme temperature buffering, and local cooling. The richer the vital organ ecosystems, Earth's biodiversity and Earth's ecosystems, the wilderness continuum, the greater our economic security. This is a one-time, one-planet offer. Next paragraph is called Technology's Limitations. What we're looking at here is a new way of thinking about how we live, which advances the human condition, the only way that exceeds the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's ultimatum perverting at a catastrophic climate change before 2030 that also rebuilds temperate climate system functions, reverses biodiversity collapse, and creates new opportunities for human economic fluorescence. Only life can pull moisture out of the atmosphere and safely store hundreds of billions of tons of greenhouse gases without further destroying the biosphere. From a life support system perspective, ecosystem restoration, care, and reintegration are the only greenhouse reduction strategies that can scale without causing the economy's life support system to collapse. Everybody knows about fossil fuels downsides, but making batteries, solar panels, and carbon capture facilities destroys ecosystems too. Not even windmills are being made of materials that are good for other forms of life. Meanwhile, native and deciduous vegetation on lands and in waters, plus deep vibrant soils and the cornucopia of life's micro to macro insects and animals, have the capacity to absorb more than enough atmospheric carbon to avert the 1.5 degrees Celsius threshold of warming and are fundamental components of the temperate climate's cooling, irrigation, and fair weather systems. I will work on the writing in that part. Numerous studies show additional carbon potential from, quote, nature-positive endeavors, such as transitioning to composting all biological wastes, greening up cities, becoming more resource and energy efficient, eating less meat, utilizing passive solar design, harvesting seaweed, and educating girls equally to boys. Then we have a graphic showing 10 climate system benefits of wilderness continuum regrowth. And I will read you these 10 really quickly. We can reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We can improve our weather. We can improve moisture circulation and retention and cooling. We can save biodiversity and restore biodiversity. We can improve microclimate maintenance. We can improve local to global cooling. We can improve teleconnections, which is how vegetation affects weather around the planet. We can improve the productivity of the planet and its ability and capacity to absorb carbon and circulate that carbon for biospheric productivity. We can improve how ecosystems are buffered against extreme weather events and climate change and therefore improve the resilience of human communities and enhance our ability to recover quickly from catastrophic weather events. The, cat, the caption here says, regrowing and restoring ecosystems does a lot more for the climate than just reduce carbon emissions. The final paragraph in this section is titled, Strategic Abundance. Biospheric climate solutions mean better food, weather, scenery, culture, and jobs. Jobs that have to do with care and continuation of our life support system, in addition to literal economic and life salvation.
These same solutions also mean future catastrophic weather events, less intense catastrophic weather event impacts, quicker recovery from catastrophic weather events, cleaner air, cleaner water, and the potential to elevate today's human beings into a greater relationship with Earth's other forms of life. Poverty and refugeeism can also be directly addressed with strategic abundance, the development of food forests, and the utilization of public space to create cooling, food-producing environments. Fewer economic refugees means less crime, less violence, less property loss. Lots of people are already working on these kinds of solutions. Humans and the biosphere can fix a lot quickly. <clears throat> the final section here is an epilogue, a postlogue, and it's entitled Biospheric Rescue as Our Only Economic Opportunity. And one more quote from the overstory. What frightens people most, nature, will one day turn to wonder, and then people will do what four billion years have shaped them to do. Stop and see just what it is they're seeing. The first paragraph is titled, Change Everything? Earth's life support system creates most of the materials and all of the members of the human economy. It also creates the beings that give the economy its meaning, us. Why can't we advance beyond destructive wealth, do it now, and elevate ourselves into the next era of human engagement with reality? Our greatest resource for today reversing economic, social, and environmental crises is simply to stop destroying the sentient life that makes up our only life support system, to treat Earth's other organisms as our most prized possession. The wealthiest people today are just as vulnerable to a life support system without productive, diverse life as you. Next paragraph is entitled, Vegetation is Continuation. Biosphere Earth has a construction civilization cannot replicate. It built itself. Then it built the people who built civilization. Biosphere Earth is a wilderness-based system, an infinitely alive and complex collection of organisms functioning because of physics and biology and all the unexplainable things being alive means, such as identity, will, sentience, exuberance, community, feelings, instincts, hungers, learning, physicality, decisions, thoughts, knowledge, beliefs, play, creativity, and mutualism. Biosphere Earth does not need us. Quite the opposite. Its four billion years of intelligence and self-continuation is the most reliable thing humans have, or most valuable thing. No biosphere, no wealth, no science investment, economics, innovation, business, or policy. No biosphere, no civilization. The next paragraph is entitled, Relocation is Fiction. Biosphere Earth is irreplaceable, unquantifiable. Indigenous people already know what developed people need to know. The laws of Earth's biospheric continuation are the most important laws in our entire universe. If financial wealth is the thing we use to build the economy, then why can't we use it to regrow the economy's life support system rapidly before we get to Mars? The final section of the entire paper here is called The Ultimate Opportunity. 
Why can't we regrow the only thing that creates us and gives us security? Why can't we merge our spiritual knowledge with our materialist advantages? Wealth holders today have an opportunity no other humans will ever have to rescue the manufacturer of our existence. Why can't we have a wealthy elite that pride themselves on rapidly evolving from denialist, materialist, hierarchical self-annihilators to connected, realistic, coordinated life-givers? Avoiding the alternative, collapse, is clearly worth whatever investment it takes. Rescuing, protecting, and rewilding Earth's wilderness integrity and advancing new economic models that create biospherically vibrant, biospherically secure, biospherically productive continents and oceans should be the basis for humanity's technological, economic, and cultural advancement this decade. Our science demands it. Our economics will not survive without it. Our lives and our futures depend on it. Biosphere Earth. Indigenous sovereignty is key. Leaving nature alone is key. Imagine Earth's biodiversity, vital organ ecosystems, and wilderness continuum restored across cities, suburbs, highways, byways, and countryside. What can you envision? What can our wealth holders do? And there's a final graphic here that shows three Earths, 1990, 2020, and 2050. The 1990 graphic is a blue-green earth, like the blue-green marble. The 2020 graphic is a brown earth, a scorched earth. And the 2050 graphic is a blue-green earth, back to the blue-green marble status. The caption says, invest in regrowing biosphere earth. Total greenhouse gas reduction potential is equal to or greater than absorbing at least two-thirds of all greenhouse emissions since the Industrial Revolution. In other words, the studies that are cited in the section on economic salvation show that regrowing the living systems of our planet to maximum capacity would absorb at least two-thirds of all of the greenhouse gas emissions since 1800. That is potentially what we need to, quote, reverse climate change. Restoration of Earth's wilderness continuum also restores key temperate climate system functions, as listed in other sections of this paper, and Earth's biodiversity, as well as protecting our food production resources and reducing the incidence and impacts of catastrophic weather on humans. And that is the paper. I very much look forward to your feedback and input on it. We're already talking about rewriting the second half of the paper, making some changes to the flow and being more explicit about the benefits to the climate of biospheric restoration. I just want to point out again that there are about 13 pages of citations here to back up the claims and, and uh, conclusions that I've come to in this study and that there is an addendum. And the addendum shows five critical images from recent studies. So the first is showing what parts of the planet are currently protected, which ones are human dominated, which ones are undeveloped. Another image is a graphic that summarizes a 2016 study talking about how many humans are already in danger from the fragility of our life support system. 
Another graphic is summarizing that big statement from Bologna Aquino 2020 about the future of civilization. Another graphic shows where the number one priorities are, the ecosystem restoration priorities are at global level. They're, they're literally mapped for their value. This is the idea that you can protect the climate, reduce greenhouse gas emissions, restore biodiversity, all those things for the least expensive economic input by focusing on vital organ ecosystems, and specifically the tropics. And then the final graphic shows biospheric productivity from a study released in 1998, and this is kind of a good summation of the integrity that we need to restore to the planet. And with that, I bid you adieu and ask again for your comments on this paper. Thank you for listening all the way through to the reading of The Value of Biosphere Earth equals all economic value plus all life value. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again.